Hi there, welcome to Mosaic Intercultural Church, coming to you from London, Ontario, Canada. My name is Andrew Karam, and I'm the Executive Director and Pastor of Mosaic, and I want to welcome you to our sermon podcast. If you want to learn more about Mosaic, you can find us online at www.mosaicchurchlondon.com. Well, um, I just want to say a big welcome. My name is David Cottrell, and I've been part of Mosaic Church since the beginning and uh, when we first started. And I want to just, um, just let you know that we are worshiping today like most, I believe, most Christians around the world without amplification, without sound. A lot of many, many hundreds of thousands of churches are meeting outside. And uh, this is as much church as if we're in a big cathedral. And it's wonderful that we have a place where it's quiet and we can do this. So I'm enjoying this. Um, I also want to just thank the team that set us all up on our grass where we normally meet. And the rains came. Everything got soaked. They got soaked. But we're here today and we're enjoying church. And uh, we're just thankful that we can come together um, like this. Well, we've got a really great passage today. But before we start, I just want to tell you, just introduce a few things. You know, when I was a kid, everybody played hockey, but I didn't play hockey. It wasn't until I was a teenager I learned to skate. And then when I was about 18 or 19, my friends at this church, they invited me to join their hockey team. Well, I had never played a hockey game with a team. I'd only played on pawns. And if you have anybody here has ever played hockey on a team? Oh, yeah. Nigel back there. He knows. There was so much to learn. And for those who haven't, let me just step through a few things before the game starts. First of all, no one shows up a few minutes before the game, gets on the ice and plays. And there's really good reasons for that. Because about an hour before the game, you have to show up to the change room because there's some things to do. And I brought along with me today um, some of these things. Wow. I was going to bring my hockey bag, but it's 40 years old. And some of that equipment is 40 years old. And I was scared to even open that thing. So I brought my sons. This is Andrew, my son, who's usually here, but he's uh, away today. There are some interesting things when you play hockey. There are all kinds of uh, things you have to put on. There is like these things here. This is a shoulder pads to protect your chest and your back. There's a helmet and a cage. You know what these are for? Yep, from falling, but a whole lot more than that even. This thing here is so that the puck doesn't come and take your teeth out or someone else's stick. Or if you fall, there's these things you wear on your legs because there's something about shins that really, really hurt when they get hit. Um, there's all kinds of wonderful, some things I won't pull out. Um, <laughs> well, I'll just leave that one in there. Um, but there's things like mouth guards, there's a neck guard, there's uh, elbow pads. What do you put on your hands? Big, thick gloves, because hands are really sensitive. They don't like to get hit with a stick. And you put on all this stuff, and it takes forever. And sometimes... It's kind of stinky when you put it on because it from the last game, it never really dried out. And, and it's, it's hot. It's expensive to buy all this stuff. 
and uh, you have to carry this big, heavy bag. But without it, you wouldn't survive on the ice for even a few minutes. And uh, do the guys and girls that play hockey complain about having to haul us around in the time that it takes it on, to put it on? They don't because they know that this allows them to play the game and this allows them to enjoy and preserves their body from injury, pain, and it can possibly save their life. Because players know that sticks, pucks, bodies, skates can do terrible damage to our tender bodies and the equipment they wear is there to protect them. Well, living the Christian life is no game because every day counts. And Ephesians is this great playbook that kind of tells us how to live a successful and a good earthly life that pleases God, that blesses others, and, and gives us protection. And while Paul and his audience that he wrote this Ephesians to, they didn't know anything about hockey. They did know Roman soldiers and their uniforms. So he uses that, the uniform of a soldier as an analogy. And we're going to go through this passage today. But before we do, I just want to pray. Lord God, thank you for the word of God that we get to explore today. Thank you for the letter to the Ephesian church that Paul wrote that we have in our hands today and how meaningful it is and how it, it, it instructs us and how you use it through your spirit to teach us. So God, would you open up our hearts to learn from it today? Would you help us be those who can hear the word and put it into practice? So God, I ask for your help today and I ask for all of us to be able to hear your voice in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, um, I want to read the passage once more to you. It's only uh, 10 short verses, but it goes like this. This is how Paul starts verse 10. He says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will be still standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Well, Paul starts off this whole passage with the words, finally. What does finally mean? Today. Well, it means he's wrapping up his letter, right? He's written to them this long letter, great letter. And he's, he says, okay, we're about to end now, finally. And this letter, he wrote the first three chapters of Ephesians are basically teaching about what God has done. It's our Christian beliefs, what God did through Jesus Christ and sending him to die for us and, and the mystery of the good news that's revealed in, in Christ's life and death and resurrection. Paul prays for them all at the end of chapter three in Ephesians. Then he starts in chapter four, five, and six 
telling them how to live like a Christian. He, he instructs them. And we heard that two weeks ago. We heard um, our brother Kenny explain to us how we're supposed to smell as a Christian. We're supposed to give off a fragrance that's, that's beautiful and that God's put into us. And we heard last week from, from Norm how to live as wise people and uh, to live in, in making wise decisions, not being drunk in alcohol, but by being filled with the spirit. And uh, over these last two Sundays, so on the end of chapter six, Paul tags this passage we just read, where he addresses about the enemy and how to combine the right beliefs and the right practice in standing firm against the strategies and power of Satan. Well, there's a lot of Christians today, if you read the news or you go online, that are confused about who the enemy is. They're very confused about who the enemy is. Many are spending their time and energy fighting other people in so-called religious or cultural wars. Anyone who doesn't look like them, talk like them, believe like them, vote like them, smell like them, act like them, those are the enemies. This doesn't even just include those outside of our faith, but it also includes other Christians. And Paul throughout Ephesians is going over and over again, stressing that Christians should be united because Jesus broke those barriers, those walls, those normal things that separate us. Jesus broke that down in his death and life to bring us together. And uh, many are fighting with their neighbors, their kids, their spouses, their parents, their bosses, their employees, whatever it is, they're fighting it out with those so-called enemies. Well, let me say it again. Those guys are not your enemies. In fact, Paul tells us, listen to what he says in chapter four. He says some things about those out there. He says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Someone doesn't have to be your enemy because they do something that ticks you off. You need to bear with them. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. So he says, you, you can't hold those things against people. You can't be those people that are always having enemies and, and are mad at someone over this or that. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. So we're supposed to live lives of kindness. And then in chapter six, he says, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. These are not fighting instructions. Paul throughout Ephesians tells us how to get along, how to love and how to care for those around us. And I know sometimes, even if you're doing all those things we just mentioned, people will be used by Satan to curse us, to steal from us, to abuse us. But Jesus makes it clear that we're still to bless those who curse us and love our enemies. That's hard. But if you're engaged in a war against other people, you're fighting the wrong battle. And Satan loves to see us engaged in such battles. He knows if you're fighting it out with people that you won't even see him. And uh, so today we're going to talk about fighting the real enemy. He was described by Jesus as the thief that comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Now that's the enemy. That thief is the devil. And the good news is that even though he is a sneaky, invisible, and powerful opponent in Christ, we are able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. He said that. Now, in traditional warfare, you know, in a regular war, the enemy can be identified easily because they're visible. You can see them. They're over there or they're over there. They use similar weapons that we use, and it's a fair fight. 
As humans, though, we have no chance against Satan as his power is at work in the spiritual and unseen realm. And he will win and unless we access the tool God has given us by his spirit. Satan works like terrorists do. You know what terrorists do? They find your weaknesses. They disguise themselves. They live among you unnoticed, but constantly plotting destruction. Living our lives without the armor of God is like walking onto the ice in a hockey game without any equipment. You're a sitting target, unprepared, unaware of the danger, blinded to the fact that in a second's notice, a puck could hit you in the face, rendering you completely useless. And instead of letting the devil tear us apart, we are told in this passage to resist the enemy, to stand our ground, and to stand firm. So is there any way we can stand up to the mighty power of this invisible enemy? Well, let's look at what Paul says. He says in the first of this passage, he says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Guess what? The devil's mighty power is no match for the Lord's mightier power. And in Ephesians 1, listen to what kind of power Paul describes to them way back in Ephesians 1. This is what he says. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened or that you'll be able to see in order that you may know the hope of which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And then he says, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. He says, Jesus Christ is more powerful than anything that's ever been, ever is now, and ever will be. It's far, far above. And do you know, you have access to that same power as what God used to raise Christ from the dead, that same power that placed Christ in the authority over everything, above all power that Satan could ever master up, muster up against us. And the word of God tells us it's his incomparable great power. I love that. It's incomparable. There's nothing that comes close. Do you want that power in your life? I sure do. And you certainly need it to stand firm against the devil. So how do we get it? Even though it's available, we still have to put it on. It's pretty useless going to the hockey game with all this stuff and then not bothering to put it on. So whether you like it or not, just like a sharpshooter, you know what a sharpshooter is? Those guys that have the rifles, they have a scope on them. And in that scope is a thing we call crosshairs. It's basically two wires or two lines that go like this. And when they take their scope, they go like this till they find the enemy and they make sure that the enemy is right in the center of that. And they know every time they will hit their mark and they would uh, kill the enemy. Well, just like a sharpshooter, the devil has all of us in his crosshairs at all times. You are there. He's looking for a vulnerable place to attack. And, you know, Paul knew this. And in chapter four, he even says this. He says, do not let the sun go down when you're angry, not to give the devil a foothold or an opportunity to attack us. Because when we're angry, the devil knows that there's a spot he can get in. So Paul says, don't let your anger last because the devil will use that against you. 
So we have some armor to put on. There's some things that Paul tells us. The first thing is the belt of truth. Do you know who Satan is? Satan is described as the father of lies, right? What does Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is a big difference. Satan is full of lies. Everything he does is lies. Everything that Jesus does is truth. When we put on a belt of truth, we are giving ourselves over to the truth of Jesus. And the lies of the devil, um, we're able to resist because we are living lives of truth. How do you live a life of truth? Well, first of all, we know it says in the Bible, stop lying. <laughs> Just stop. Don't do it. One lie is going to lead to another, 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 and it goes very quickly down the line. Lies are just part of the devil's work, right? Um, those kind of things are not part of the Christian's life. So we put on this belt of truth. We say we're going to live a consistent, a congruent life of truth. We're going to reject telling lies. Then he says, put on the body armor of God's righteousness. You know where the body armor covers? What does the body armor cover? What's an important part of your body? Your heart, yeah. The Bible says, above all, guard your heart, right? Because what comes out of your heart, your passions, your desires, those things. And uh, I want to encourage you, if you haven't done it, Norm told us last week to read the Proverbs because that's one way we can protect our lives, by reading truth of God, but also by uh, believing the truth of God. But God's righteousness, do you know what righteousness is? It's, it's right living and God does everything that is right. And he wants us to live that way. And so um, it says in Proverbs 2, if you seek God's wisdom and you listen to him, then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. God wants us to do everything on a good path, everything that is right and just and fair as we protect our hearts. So our desires, our passions will be right. They will be in line with God and not um, lead us astray. And he says to put on shoes, shoes of the peace of the good news of Jesus. That's the first three chapters of Ephesians was talking about this peace that comes and God's brought peoples together. Rather than dividing, he's broken those walls of hostility. He's broken that down. That there's shoes that we have a firm foundation. We're standing on something solid. This gospel and this good news of Jesus means that we have a, a place, a, a rock, that will never um, be shaken. We can stand firm and we have this peace amongst whatever's happening out there. We have this peace and Satan hates that. Satan hates if you have peace. He wants you to be fearful, to be uh, afraid. But if we have the peace of Christ that gives us grounding, the shield of faith says that it's there to extinguish the fiery darts or the enemy's shots. Do you know, Satan's not only got you in the crosshairs, he's firing all the time. You know, those people who play video games, they just keep shooting, even if they don't have the person in target. You know, you ever played video games and someone just can't let go of the trigger, right? Well, Satan's like that. He is shooting all the time at us, hoping that something will hit. And we've got to have a shield ready. And this is a shield of faith. And it neutralizes the devil's attempts to harm us because it extinguishes it. Satan can throw something at you. And if you hold up your faith, the faith, your beliefs in Jesus Christ and what he's done and what he's promised for you, that just neutralizes it. It just, his 
his darts are useless. The flames go out. They just go, they fizzle. They just die. And, and uh, we know that God has given that shield of faith to us that we can use. Then it says a helmet of salvation. What does a helmet cover? Right. Yeah, your brains. What happens if you hit your head really hard? You're in trouble, right? And uh, so it protects our thinking. And, and it says in Romans that when we come to Christ, when we, when, we, when we dwell in Jesus, it renews our mind. Our mind is changed. No longer the things that used to attract us or the things that used to uh, distract us or the things that used to grab our attention and everything else. God renews our mind. So we're able to focus on the real things. And uh, so this helmet of salvation, it's, it's a protection of our thinking. It's really tied in with wisdom. Do you know how to get wisdom? We, we learned last week, right? We ask God for wisdom and he'll give it to us. And we read his word and we learn his word. And uh, that's an important part. You know, Norm, last week, some of you weren't here. Norm gave out highlighters so that we could highlight our Bibles. Because he said, when you're reading it, sometimes... You just need to highlight it because then it, it's something, it just reinforces what you need. So some of you weren't here. If anybody wasn't here and you need a highlighter, I brought some. If you need, and if you don't have a Bible that you can highlight, I brought some of those um, with Proverbs. They're just New Testaments with Proverbs in them, but you can take those. I don't mind giving them to you. And you can highlight because as you read Proverbs, there's so much there to highlight. If you started, you know, there's so much there and it's wisdom and it will protect your mind. And that helmet of salvation, that helmet that will protect you. And then finally, I didn't even bring this out, but where is it? So back here somewhere. In hockey, you only have one real weapon. Well, there's the puck, but you also have the stick. And this is so that you can score, so you can win, right? The Bible tells us not only do we stand firm against Satan, but we can use a weapon. It's the same weapon that Jesus used against Satan. When Satan was tempting Jesus. What did Jesus do? Did he throw stuff at Satan? No. no. What did he do? He quoted scripture. He quoted the word of God to Satan because he knew it would defeat Satan. And that's their only weapon we have is the word of God. Our own, our own wisdom, our own knowledge is not going to work against Satan. Satan is smarter than you, but he is not able to do anything against the word of God because it's got power. And so there's important, can you use the word of God if you don't know what it says? No, you can't. Jesus knew the word of God so he could use it. And, and we read about many times in the Bible where people took the word of God. You know, when David was fighting Goliath, Goliath had all these really cool weapons and strong and was huge. David had nothing. He had a little rock or something, but he used, he told Satan, you're not fighting against me. You're fighting against the name of the Lord. And in the name of the Lord, there is power. There is so much power that Goliath's sword was useless. His armor was useless. And in the name of the Lord and in the word of God, we have power against Satan. We can defeat Satan in, in his attempts. And so um, this is the weapon we have. It's the same one that, that God's used throughout history. And it works. It works. But you need to know the word of the Lord. You need to know what God's word said. And you need to believe it and use your shield of faith and all the things that God has given you. So we're all suited up now, right? We've got all these things on. There's one more thing. Paul, Paul slips in another one, right? He says, be, 
because the armor is spiritual and requires our spirit to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, he says to pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion and to always be alert. Because we could have this armor on, but we need the spirit to empower that, to make it come alive. And we do that by praying and, and allowing our spirit to be in touch with God's spirit so that we're empowered by him. And that's done in prayer. And, and uh, so I was thinking about this, thinking about this hockey player. He's got all the equipment on, but he's skating around the ice, talking on his phone, listening to some tunes in his earbuds. He's checking out the latest NBA scores and the highlights. What's going to happen to him? doesn't matter if he's got his equipment on. If he's not listening, he's going to get hit. He's going to get flattened. And uh, this is what God is asking us to do, to be constantly in touch with him in all aspects of our life. During the good times, during the difficult times, during the terrible times, to not let our guard down, but trust in him. And Satan would like nothing better than to snatch all your joy away. He loves. He's a joy stealer. He loves to take the peace that you have. He'd love to take the love that comes from your relationship with Jesus. He'd love to take all that, to have you doubt God's love, to have you doubt God's salvation, to substitute something of this world in place of what you've got in Christ. Anything he can to peel off that armor, he will do. But we don't have to let him do that. And, and one of the best ways to do that is by praying. So I want to just say this, and, and I'm going to be done in a minute or so, but I want to just uh, say that um, if you need help putting on some of this armor today that we talked about, there are people who would love to assist you to making sure that you're protected in this battle. If you know that the devil's attacking you, ask for help. Paul asks the Ephesians at the end of this passage, he says, please, please pray for me. I need help. I need help because I'm in jail and I want to speak boldly about what jesus has done but i need help i need you to pray for me i need the strength i need that and so um paul knows that circumstances disappointments difficult situations can prevent us from standing firm and strong he needs their prayers and the supports and we can't do this alone we got some great opportunities at, at mosaic to tap into the daily prayer opportunities on zoom we have chances to share in testimony time where you can share some of your um, struggles so that we can pray and be with you. You know that after the service, if you want prayer, you can come and there's people that would love to pray with you and through some of these things. But prayer is a key part of resisting the devil and standing firm. Well, the battle is tough and we need everything. We have everything in Christ to stand firm, to be strong. We have the armor of God. We have the word of God. We have the Holy Spirit and we have each other. So don't ever forget, as a child of God, you have access to this incomparable great power as he promises it for us who believe. It is with God's mighty power we have the ability to defeat Satan's strategies against us. And may you have this victory today and every day as you walk in the light of Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we know we need your armor. We need it today. We need it every day because Satan is out to get us. And yet, Lord, we are just grateful and we have this great hope and this great faith that you are with us each step of the way, that you've provided the tools, the equipment we need to face all our enemies, all our foes. God, would you help us to love those who are human flesh and blood, even those who would come against us? 
Lord, but would you help us to identify our enemy, Satan? And would you help us to stand firm in the power of God? Lord, would you help us to know your word so that we can use it to protect ourselves, but also to defeat the evil around us? Would you allow us to be uh, those who would walk into situations, Lord, and speak your word because it's truth, because it's light, because it has power. And God, thank you for your spirit that is in us, that gives us that confidence and that provides that comfort we need. Lord, I pray for peace and joy and love would fill us as we walk in the light of Jesus Christ. We ask this all in the powerful and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. You have been listening to a sermon podcast from Mosaic Intercultural Church in London, Ontario, Canada. My name is Andrew Karam, and I want to thank you for joining us. If you want to find out more about Mosaic and about the work that we do, please check us out online at www.mosaicchurchlondon.com. Thank you.